Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Bonjour, tout le monde, et bienvenue aux as. Je suis Adam Sank. This is my impersonation of Meryl Streep's impersonation of Julia Child speaking French. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. Uh, we are coming at you live, everyone. Uh, why is the mic, the sound is changing? Something's going on? Oh, fuck me. Well, we're coming at you live. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, April 10th, 2021, I feel like the sound is going in and out. At dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Did I blow the mic when I yelled bonjour? I, see, I didn't have you, well, I didn't have you to do that. Hmm. Well... In any case, don't forget to download the new DNR Studios app. Leave us your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this thing. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. If you're listening live, uh, who knows if the phones work, the mics don't, but call in and talk to us at 804-825-5277. That's 804-TALK-ASS. You can call us anytime. We may play your voicemail on the air if we like it. Speaking of liking things, like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, please. Download the comedy albums, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even assless chaps. The link to all that is adamsank.com. Uh, this is going to drive me crazy, JB. Should, yeah. I, should I switch to a different mic? Uh, it's super annoying. Um, you guys, our guest for today... Oh, hello. Should I switch? I'm going to switch now. Hold on. Ryan, Phil, please, cool. please do. Oh, wait. Oh, hi. This mic is hot. Let me turn this down. Good morning, bonjour, bonjour, comment allez-vous? Très bien, très bien, merci beaucoup. Oh, I'm so impressed, Ryan. I don't no, speak French, but I, but I did learn that song in the fifth grade, and I still remember it, and I sing it hello. every once in a while. Hello, how's hello. this? Oh, so much better. So much richer. Mm, and hello. Um, I apologize if that sounded like shit, you guys. Um, I loved it. It was fun. It, I mean, it's live. It's live radio. We keep it. We keep it fresh. Yeah. We keep it we fun. Keep it real. Keep it real here. Anyway, as I was starting to say, our guest today is a comedian that I have known ever since I started comedy. I love her. I've been trying to get her on the air for years. Uh, you, the general listening audience, probably know her from NPR because she's hosted a, a game show on NPR for like the last ten years um, called "Ask Me Another." Her name is Ophira Eisenberg. Ophira. And I love, I love name. her name, too, right? Me, too. And uh, she is from Canada, which is why I was speaking French. Oh Although goodness. she's from Calgary, so I don't think anyone speaks French there. Anywho, um, welcome, Ryan. Welcome, JB. I feel strange sitting here. I can't actually see JB anymore. Uh, you know, we did test levels, and that did not happen earlier. I know. So I don't know what the fuck. I, th I think I ruined it with my French. Fuckery is afoot. There's Agreed. some fuckery happening. 
Um, uh, congratulations to JB, who's about to move into a fabulous new apartment. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Check out his Instagram for, for ongoing updates mm-hmm. yeah. at Stocking Anarchy 12. Um, I want to get right into recommended viewing. Yes. Uh, it's, we haven't been on the air in three weeks. Oh, my goodness. So I saw lots of shit, and I, ha- I was going to recommend like 10 things, and then I was like, <laughs> all right, that's too much. I'm going to recommend two, <laughs> okay. both documentaries. Um, the first is called Made You Look. And that is about a huge forgery scandal in the art world that happened during the early to mid 2000s. Um, I'm not a huge art person, but it's really about uh, just an incredible hoax that was pulled off that wound up costing hundreds of millions of dollars to unsuspecting art buyers. Hmm. And it's, it's kind of a whodunit because you don't know the whole time, like who was in on it and who wasn't, and it's just a really well-made documentary. So, made you look on Netflix. The other one was really, really uh, powerful. It's called Crip Camp. Mm, I've heard Have about you seen this. that yet? No, not yet. It's the story of a camp for disabled children that ran uh, from the '50s to the '70s, and one year in the '70s, a film crew came and documented the campers. And it was a very 70s situation because mm-hmm. they were basically – they were children, some of whom were profoundly uh, disabled, and they were just left to run amok. They could, like, smoke cigarettes, take drugs, fuck each other, which oh they did. God. And they created a community that most of them never had before. And out of that community grew the uh, the, the civil rights movement for disabled people, wow. which eventually led to the Americans with Disability Act. So it's actually about the founding of that movement. That's amazing. It's really incredible. And and all <laughs> the only other thing I'll say is after you see it, you'll be like, how have I never known this woman? Um, and now I can't remember her name. <laughs> I think her name is Nancy Human. How is her name not up there with like Gandhi and MLK and all these other like civil rights leaders? She changed the world for people with disabilities. Wow. Um, and she's still alive. So anyway, Crip Camp and Made You Look. Ryan, your recommendations, Very cool. please. I have two for this week. Um, the first one, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I have seen it for the first time, but I just watched the original Wigstock documentary in its entirety. I've seen clips, including the one that you showed me years ago of um, Taboo. It's natural. It's natural. Which at the time I didn't really get, but when I watched it in, in, in the film... It's so edgy. It's so cool. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah, I mean, the the original Wigstock um, is just so subversive and, and the downtown scene and, um, you know, Alexis Arquette, Jackie Beat, Floyd, Lipsinka, who, of course, we've had on the show before. Yes. I mean, these are legends and um, there's just such a cool vibe. Um, I just, I wish... I mean, I was you know three when when because uh, it was uh, Wigstock '94 that they were, that they filmed. Did you ever go to Wigstock? Never. No. It's a regret. Yeah. It it just seemed like a really cool time. My second recommendation, which I'm thrilled is finally on a streaming platform. Um, I have been watching rewatching The Nanny um, on HBO Max, which is one of those shows that like influenced me so much as a kid just like it just it makes me so happy it's so such a good watch such a good late time watch Fran Drescher is amazing um it's just campy it's broad humor I just I love, love it. her but I've never been a big nanny queen yeah it, it's just I don't know I mean it's just something a lot of gays love it there's though. something about just anything that takes place in New York in the 90s just makes me happy 
All right, JB, yeah. your recommendations? Um, okay, uh, you know, you guys, I gave up the I gave up Netflix. Yes, I did. Uh, it's been Lord knows how long. I think since March. So it's been two months. We've been meeting wow. Netflix been fighting for two months. Anyway, I didn't think of I didn't, I didn't have recommendation until I read well until I did some cutting of audio today, and I'm just gonna bring this up later. But because of April, it reminded me of the it reminded me of the stand up of Michelle Wolf, mm. <laughs> the giraffe. <laughs> but there was like um, oh, giraffe just gives birth. JB's talking about up. April the giraffe, yes. which we will be talking about later. Yes, and it's just like I I read that I was just so it made me it just makes me giggle all the time. But if you don't want to watch TV, you guys pick up a book, any kind of book. A Wait, so novel. I'm sorry. Are you recommending Michelle Wolf? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm recommending Michelle Wolf because uh, she talks about April the giraffe. You, no, just because she talks about giraffe giving birth, and then I okay. feel like we should give birth that way. Okay, just automatically walking. And then, did you have a book to recommend as well? Uh, just any kind of book, anything you want to read, <laughs> comic book. Guys, I read comic books and fantasy books. I don't think people are into that. I'd like to recommend, recommend a book. Yeah. <laughs> Just a book, you guys. Read something. Uh, just read. Right. I mean, it is good advice. Yeah. yeah. I've been reading lately. I've been going up on the roof on nice days and just like getting some sun and yeah. reading. And that's bit. it. Just a little something. I'm about, once I finish the Ethan Morden books, I'm about to start RuPaul's, um, one of her books. Um, forget which one. <laughs> They're all the same. Woo! <laughs> Shade. So, by the way, I, I'm no longer near the iPad, so I can't do any sound effects, JB. So, I, if, mm. if at any point you want to. Um, you can know, I play something appropriate? Can I turn it? Yeah, yeah. please do, right? You should be in I want to have control. You're oh just going to hit shut up cunt every time I start to talk. This is so exciting for me. Oh my god. So listen, um we're going to do we're going to do lots of news today, but I thank you. I need to start with a personal tale of woe because I find that many people have been in the same boat as I and this is actually kind of a serious issue and that is that I was jailed from Facebook for an entire week. Uh, very recently. I I was only recently freed. My and goodness. it's the fifth time that my account has been temporarily suspended over the past, I'd say, like six months. And each time it's because I supposedly, I allegedly um, violated their guidelines and standards uh, in terms of bullying and harassment. And in no situation was I ever bullying or harassing people. Let me give you an example of why I was banned once. You guys know Tarek Daniels. Good yeah. friend of mine, been on the show many times. Sure. I posted this thing about how I was turning 50 and I'm watching Terms of Endearment and, and Shirley MacLaine's character is turning 50 in that movie. And it's like another reminder that I'm like an old fuck and all these like people I thought of as senior citizens growing up, I'm now that age. And so people were leaving all kinds of snarky comments and Tarek was like, actually, Shirley MacLaine was even younger than that when she made that movie. She was younger than you are now. And I commented, I was like, bitch, Shirley MacLaine was exactly 50 when she made that movie. And the moment I hit enter, you have been banned. What? Because this is the thing. It's not that anyone's reporting me. Facebook's own algorithms sees bitch oh my God. and decides that I'm bullying. You guys, we need and to move away from social time, media. Well, yes. But each time this happens, I appeal it. And then my appeal gets rejected. Then there's like a special second appeal process where they only take like 10% of the cases to review. And you have to write like essay answers as to why you think you shouldn't have. And I'm like, bitch is a term of endearment that gay men use for each other. This is a friend of mine. He made a snarky comment. I was responding in kind. He would have not felt bullied if you had let him see the comment. But the main reason I keep getting banned is because I'm in a private group for fans of Howard Stern. Oh, God. 
It's a huge group. There's like 20,000 of us. And all we do is talk about how much we love Howard Stern. The group is heavily administered. You're not allowed to be nasty to each other. There's no politics involved. Anytime someone starts talking about Trump, they get blocked. Like it's just Howard Stern. But we quote lines from the Howard Stern show. So, for example, uh, there's a character on the Howard Stern show who's been calling the show for years named Crazy Alice. She's this very angry black woman who lives in Los Angeles and gets <laughs> furious at anyone who says anything to her. And her catchphrase is, Arrivederci, cocksucker. She always says that. Mm -hmm. So someone posted about Crazy Alice and everyone was like in the comments posting her like the things that she says. And I posted, Arrivederci, cocksucker. And I didn't even spell out cocksucker. I had a dash where the O was. Oh, my God. Immediately blocked for a week. That's some bullshit. And I wouldn't give a shit except that Facebook continues to allow QAnon people, anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, people who claim that the January 6th insurrection was actually Antifa. There's so much dangerous and deadly misinformation being trafficked on that platform, and they don't give a fucking shit about that. Right. But I can't say a Riva Dirty cocksucker quoting someone that isn't an insult to anyone that's not going to offend anyone yeah, in it, a private Facebook group. It's absurd. It's so infuriating. And so after I posted about this, because when I came back from Facebook jail, I posted a lengthy explanation. Because everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep threatening people? Who's reporting you? And I'm like, you, you don't understand. <laughs> so I wrote the whole thing out, and a prominent person in the world of LGBTQ media, that's all I'll say, hmm. reached out to me and gave me the email address of an actual person at Facebook who handles, <gasps> like, LGBTQ issues. Ooh. And said, like, write to her, tell her that you're a gay podcaster, explain the situation, and ask her why you keep getting banned. So I it's did. It's on. Oh, you, and have you heard A few back? days ago, nothing. But then he gave me another name, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pursuing this. Because I, it's not about me. I don't need to go into the Howard Stern group and write a review right. of G. but the principle of it infuriates me. Uh, absolutely. And this has happened to a lot of people. Yeah, really. and then not even just on Facebook, on Instagram too. Yes. All of the – and their owned – Facebook owns Instagram. Yes. And it's, it's the censorship and the erasure of queer people on these platforms is it's in text, in pictures. It's just insane. And I could get it, like, if I called someone a bitch and then they reported me and yeah. said I feel harassed. That's different. This is like Facebook is deciding right. that I'm a harasser. Instantly. Without any context, yeah. without any understanding of, like, what, why I'm saying it. Mm, I'm sorry. So, that's happening. Now I have to, like, be really careful about what I say. Yeah. And you know that is not my strong suit. No. No, 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 no. Okay. On to some much happier news, which is that uh, this was a huge story this past week. It just mm. broke on Thursday. There is a new... HIV vaccine that they're working on that is based very much on the COVID vaccine that Moderna developed. And it looks really promising. They've been trying to create an HIV vaccine ever since the 1980s. Originally, they thought that they could come up with one rapidly because that had happened for diseases like measles, chickenpox, mm -hmm, hepatitis mm -hmm. B. Um, but HIV is a virus that mutates rapidly which creates a moving target for vaccines. It also has many different subtypes. Well, guess what else mutates rapidly and has lots of different subtypes? Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Shit is real. So all the work they've been doing to create these vaccines in the last couple years, or last year, has uh, resulted in new ways of, of thinking about an HIV vaccine. 
So there's new research out of AIVI and Scripps that aims to address the mutations by developing a vaccine that helps the body create broadly neutralizing mutations. Um, and now those researchers are collaborating with companies like Moderna to harness this, this new technology in the fight against HIV. So there's only been a few studies in actual human beings so far, but they mm -hmm. really think that this is, it's certainly the most promising HIV vaccine they've ever developed. Yeah. And this would be a huge game changer. This huge. could be something that all children could get. Right. Male, female, gay, straight, it wouldn't matter. It's like you get your, your chickenpox vaccine, your measles vaccine, and your HIV vaccine. Listen, I mean, better late than never. It's, it's, it took a global pandemic to get here, but, um, you know, at least, at least we're making these huge strides. Well, and it shows you that when it affects the general population, right. like, it's different. Suddenly yeah. we mm -hmm. have to develop this immediately. Instantly. Yeah. But when it develops gay men, eh, let's wait yeah. 40 years. Right. Well, okay. So a couple months back in during the summertime, they released the article. Okay, you guys know I'm really about science. They released an article saying that the coronavirus is a version of any, of the HIV virus. So yes. Like, how long? Um, it took them like so long for them to like, oh, if it that, that's it, maybe we can create a vaccine for it. Like, bitch, it took you year, months to figure that out. I figured it out the first time you told me this. I was like, couldn't you made like a vaccine or something? For JB the is going to go work for the CDC. <sighs> they, I'm sorry, but they don't allow gay people to donate blood. So I can't. I know. It's <laughs> I can't be a part of the CDC. It's bullshit. Yeah. But this is also this bolsters my very unscientific opinion that if you are on HIV meds or PrEP, you are less resistant to um, catching the coronavirus mm. or more resistant mm -hmm. to the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Because I I didn't get it, and everyone I know who's on PrEP or almost everyone I know mm -hmm. almost mm -hmm. who's on either PrEP or HIV meds didn't get sick. Cannot believe you didn't get it. I don't know. I think I. Why do you got say it. that? <laughs> I wasn't, no I wasn't like COVID Kathy. I basically saw the same three people like every week for, for months and months and months. Yes, Ryan, I occasionally had sex. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm wondering. No, okay. You're looking for a sound effect? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I was very good for a while. I, for a while. I thought I had COVID. Okay, so I don't know if I, I did take a test. No one got back to me if I had COVID. But I, two weeks ago, I thought I had COVID, but I think it was just science affection. I'm like, I hate. I hate this. Did you lose season. your sense of smell and taste? I mean, yeah, because my nose was stuffy. I had mucus. Yeah, but that's not the same as losing your. I mean, this is like literally food tastes like nothing or it tastes no, bad. No, everything tastes the same. Like, and that happened to you? Yeah, like ev everything tastes like food. Like no, nothing changed. Hmm. Like, and I mean, it came back. Yeah, and everything. My I started breathing better. No more coughing. Um, Maybe you did have it. When was this? This was like two weeks. Okay, after I came from that party. Oh, and, and then that Wednesday, did I you get tested? Weird. I did get tested, and I'm saying my doctors haven't gone back to me saying that I got it. Or Girl, not. you had COVID. Don't say that. It was a science infection. You lie. Well, you feel you better might. now. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally felt better three days afterwards. You had it. You. I'm diagnosing you. You're some bitch. Call Doctor Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Ryan and I have a friend from the chorus who got it a year ago and still has not regained his sense of smell and taste. You have to tell me. I'll, I'll tell you off the yeah, air. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, it's really a problem. Yeah. He's actually going to like weekly therapy where they That's awful. they hold various things under his nose and try to get him to recognize smells again. Wow. And and like all food tastes bad to him for a year. 
Can you imagine? No. All right, let's move on to this next right, story because I want to talk about this. This is, is really amazing news. So Lil Nas X's latest track, Montero, parentheses, oh. Call Me By Your Name. Oh. This was me watching the oh. video. Oh. 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 Yes. Has been confirmed as the new number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. And as Ryan points out, the video is yes, queen. quite sexual. And quite titillating and quite controversial. Absolutely. Because it basically has Lil Nas X sliding down a pole into hell and getting fucked by Satan. Oh, no, from heaven's hell. He's saying he was an angel and he's coming down. He fell. Yes. And this is why I couldn't watch the video. The video was too distracting from the song. Oh, honey. Well, let me say this. When Lil Nas X came out with Old Town Road and it became this phenomenon and he was on the number one spot for months, I thought... This is going to be a one-hit wonder. We're right. never going to hear from this guy again. Right. And the fact that he has done it again with a song that is actually kind of fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a video that is breathtaking. Art. I'm like, this guy really is no uh, flash in the pan. He is an incredibly creative, talented, smart, smart, openly gay, black rapper slash singer slash country star. Yeah. And like, we've never seen anything like that before. It. it I can't even form the words. I I can't imagine what it is like to be a young queer black kid right now, seeing Lil Nas X in all of his glory, just slaying so fiercely and being so uh, authentically himself. Um, it's just so powerful. The video is so amazing. And the best part though, is that, Lil Nas X, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's definitely of the like social media generation. Mm-hmm. His his trolling of his uh, of the, the criticism of his of, haters yeah, of his haters is so funny. He, I saw one. He's twenty two. He's twenty two. Oh, 22. so he's so he's Gen Z. He yes. is hilarious. So he, um, I saw one tweet that was like, um, they told me to go to hell. And so I went to hell and they're still mad or something like that. Like he just, um, he's the real deal. And I'm really excited to see what, what he, what he brings. He posted a tweet that showed a, um, some cackling villain from SpongeBob. I don't watch SpongeBob, so I don't know who the guy was. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing Plankton. Yeah, maybe. I think so. And it, and the guy's like going, and he he wrote me after getting a song about gay sex to the top of the billboard charts. Yes. Okay, so good for him. Yeah. I am. I am now a fan. That was actually my when I hadn't consumed any new media. That was going to be my recommendation, just to watch the music video. Watch the video, and also, I mean, he's put out a few videos. I didn't know he had more music out other than Old Town Road, but he has a he has a few really good videos. And his body, honey, is sick. Honey, it's delicious. It's over. So mm. congratulations to him. And uh, as Ryan said, I think it's a game changer for uh, for queer youth of color. Um, in other good news, we've just got lots of good news today. We love it. For the first time, a new annual survey from the Public Religion Research Institute shows that a slim majority of Republicans now support allowing gay and lesbian couples to marry legally. That is so amazing. Amazing. That's amazing. amazing. <laughs> 51%. It's a slim majority, yeah. but 51% of Republicans back legal marriage 
for same-sex couples, up from 47% in 2019. Overall, about two-thirds of Americans, 67%, say that gay and lesbian couples should be able to marry legally, which is also an all-time high for the poll. Also, 76% 76 76% of Americans back laws to protect queer Americans from discrimination. That's an uptick from previous years. When, measure, when those kinds of measures clocked in at closer to 70%, only one in five Americans, 19%, oppose non-discrimination protections. 85% of Democrats back anti-discrimination measures. Who are the fucking 15% that don't? Fuck, fuck those people. And 79% of independents do and 62% of Republicans, although younger Republicans remain notably more supportive of LGBTQ protections than their older counterparts. You know, right now we're seeing this huge backlash against trans people and trans people have become the new punching bag for mm. Republicans and for the right wing. It's all about bathrooms and locker rooms and about keeping trans girls out of um, sports. It's because they failed in their war against us. Mm -hmm. And when I say us, I mean gay people. Mm -hmm. They tried for decades to win elections and they, and they were successful for a while mm -hmm. based on vowing to discriminate against us. And that has become a losing issue because right. as we see, even in the Republican Party, the majority favors uh, same-sex marriage and protecting us from discrimination. So now they're like, oh, we have to find a new boogeyman that scares people, let's go with trans people. And it sucks for trans people, and it's vicious and horrible and ugly, and we all need to uh, support the trans community in fighting against this. Yeah, but support it, and protect. But it's also a measure of progress. Yeah. And it shows that if we stay strong and unified with the trans issues, just like we did with the gay issues, we can change the culture in this country. 100. I'd like the applause sound effect, please. Um. Oh, thank you. Thank you for recognizing my inspiring speech. Because I'm what? Sickness. I really am. I'm so skinny right now. <laughs> you and really it is are. sickening. Thank you. I had a colonoscopy this week, and uh, after the prep that I had to do, I got up on the scale, and I was 173 pounds. Work. And I'm 5'11". Yes, queen. I hate that sound effect. And I have not been that skinny in a long time. By the way, since I mentioned the colonoscopy, I have breaking news for the listeners. I had no polyps and no warts. What are you hitting? Mm -hmm. Toilet flush? I don't know. <laughs> That's, there was a lot of that during the prep. I shat out about 100 gallons of water. This is great for me. I'm having so much fun with this. But let me tell you something. Yes. Not having polyps or warts... Best news I could have gotten all year, and I don't have to have another colonoscopy for five years. That's fabulous. Praise Jesus. That's fabulous. Uh, a story that caught my eye this week was about a Southwest pilot charged with lewd acts during his flight. A former Southwest airline pilot allegedly exposed himself during a flight from Philadelphia this past August. The pilot's name was Michael Hawk. He, quote, intentionally committed an act, of an act of lewd, indecent, and obscene exposure of his genitals in a public place. Oh, dear. The acts began, continued, and were completed while the aircraft was in flight. So when they say completed, that leads me to believe he was jerking off. Because mm. you can't really complete exposure. Uh, he was piloting Southwest Airlines Flight 6607 from Philadelphia to Orlando. 
Uh, there really isn't a lot of information about this, and it's hard to imagine a pilot just like taking his junk out in the middle of the flight and jerking off in front of the co-pilot and whoever else was in the cockpit. Yeah, this feels like fake news, just a little bit. Cockpit. Yeah, I feel like this is a men.com video I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Cockpit. <laughs> You'd have to be really out of control to do that, uh, especially without permission from the people you're doing it in front of. And also, when you're flying a plane, not a good idea to be distracted. No. Yeah, no. I know people who have jerked off while driving, and I don't I don't approve of that even. Oh, Ryan just got a guilty look on <laughs> his face. Have you done it? No, I've I've given roadhead. Same. That is not safe. Well uh, There's a lot of things that aren't safe. Yeah. That is distracted driving. Um supported driving. Yeah. <laughs> you're giving a hand to the driver so they can do a good while getting home safe. Listen, this person in my hand this person gave me a ride back from the ferry. A fire this island. Is a stranger? Uh, a, a stranger that I had gotten to know. So you oh. don't even know if he's a good driver. Oh. <laughs> I, tr- I, I, based on what I gathered from his uh, personality, I trusted that he could get head. You are and a drive. filthy whore. True. And right. also, the drive from the ferry to the train is like two minutes long. No, oh. back to the city. Oh. From the tr- from the oh. Um, oh. ferry to oh. the. Well, it sounds like he oh. must have been making that noise, oh. not you. Yeah, he was. Oh, my God. And then it's all messy in the car. Anyway. Anyway, now it's time to get to the, the one really sad story. Oh. And after this, we'll go right to RuPaul's uh, Drag Race, Great. to Ryan's RuPaul Drag Race update. So, you guys, April the Giraffe has died. Oh. And um, <laughs> fans of the ass will remember April the Giraffe because it was almost exactly four years ago today that she gave birth and it was the very first story we ever did on the wow. Adam Sank show oh my back God. in uh, on April 15th, 2017. Take a listen. Her handlers announced that she was going to give birth sometime between mid-January and mid-February. And they put like a 24-hour camera on her. And you could watch April day and night to see this miraculous birth. Uh, of course, it's now fucking April. And... Uh, <laughs> And April, coincidentally, the name of the giraffe, still had not given birth. So people were getting pissed. Like people were staring at this pregnant giraffe all day waiting for something to happen. And uh, and no one did. Now, a giraffe's gestation period is typically 15 months. Whoa. Um, I know, which is c- painful for for uh, for anyone who's who's carried a child, I guess. But um, but here's what happened. As she paced in her pen today, two hooves began to appear. <laughs> This is according to the New York Times. Two hooves just popped out of her pussy. And uh, I don't have a pussy, but that just seems unbelievably painful. And disturbing. Yeah, and also, who knew that a, that a giraffe was born feet first? It seems to me that that's a, that's a, a biological mistake. I would think the, uh, the head... I mean, think about how long that fucking neck is. You want that to come out first, I would think, and then everything else would be easier. But no, the, the hooves popped out. Well, do we know and, in fact uh, that the hooves are supposed to pop out first, or, or was this a breech birth? I, I, the, the Times doesn't say, so I assume it was normal. Uh, after a few hours, it was hours of labor, the newly born giraffe was lying on the floor of the pen, glancing around, looking as confused and bewildered as any newborn. Uh, the calf tried to stand a few times, but was unable. After an hour, it was on its feet. It walked in an hour, you guys. So sadly, the 20-year-old giraffe had started showing signs of mobility problems last summer. Um, They figured out she had really bad arthritis in her feet and problems with one of her hind legs. And so um, the severity of her condition outpaced the zoo's ability to control her comfort, so they euthanized her. 
Um, statistics on giraffe life expectancy vary, um, but uh, 20 is, a, is apparently a, a, not a terrible age. So we, we, we bid farewell to April. Rest we're, in power, April. We're very sorry. April! And on that note, we'll go right to Ryan with the RuPaul's Drag Race update for this week. Shantae, you stay. Okay, everyone. We are... We have made it to the top four of RuPaul's Drag Race season 13. And um, yeah, we have Candy Muse, uh, Rose, both New York Queens, uh, Simone and Gottmik. And, you know, this is, um, this is pretty much the top four that I saw, maybe minus Candy and Rosé, but I definitely saw Got Mick and Simone there. And uh, for me, they it, it needs to go to one of them. Yes, I, I think, 100%. I think that we've never seen a queen like Got Mick. Um, he would obviously be the first trans winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is huge. Um, but he's just so, he's so talented and so... Um, Charming. I mean, RuPaul seems very so charmed. Yeah, so versatile. And then Simone is just brilliant. Everything that she does, and even when she even when she struggles a little bit. I mean, that I think RuPaul always talks about. You know, RuPaul's Drag Race is not a beauty contest; it's a heart uh, contest. And she has so much heart. Um, she has so much uh, soul. You know, she's twenty five, twenty six, but you can tell that there is. Um, a lot of life. There's a spirit there. living in her. Yeah, that 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 has that has lived many lives, and uh, I, I I I am excited to see the season end because by the time we get to the finale in two weeks, this will have been a four month season of Drag Race. Drag Race season thirteen premiered on January first, and it will end the third to last week in April. Yeah, it feels like it's been going on forever. It, it has been. Um, and I hated the the beginning of it. I hated the way they did that. I like know the two casts. I hope that never happens again. But I think that like overall, I mean, this was a season filmed in the height of the pandemic. Yes. Um, this this season could have could have not happened. Um, you know, they could have shut production down if anyone got sick, if anyone you know got got the the virus. Um, but it didn't. It happened, and I I think it's been a pretty good season. I have to say. I've been very grateful for the entire franchise. This past year, yeah. as even in the darkest days, you could always look forward to a new episode of, of RuPaul's Drag Race Friday Nights. And it, it was like the one comfort in my life for a while. Yeah, there. agreed. And I think they've done an amazing job. And, um, you know, just to shout out uh, some of what's coming down the pipeline yes. in the Drag Race um, uh, kingdom, queendom, um, we are getting Drag Race Down Under, uh, that's coming May 1st. Um, Drag Race España is coming Ooh, soon. I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't been announced yet, but uh, All Stars 6 is probably coming this summer. Um, and then I just saw online that um, they may have filmed uh, All Stars International with queens from Canada, Thailand, um, UK, and Holland. Holy fuck. And US. Amazing. Um, so that's coming, and we're also going to get that, uh, you know, Eurovision-like um, singing competition, drag queen singing competition. <sighs> so there's a lot coming. It's basically going to be all RuPaul all the time. All the time. 
All right, I'm going to have to wrap you up. Yes. Because it's time for our guest segment. But thank you, Ryan. And we look forward to hearing welcome. your thoughts on the finale yes. two weeks from now when, yes, we, yes, yes, when yes, we're yes. live again. Okay, our guest today is making her ass debut. She is a wonderful comedian I've known for decades. She's appeared on The Late Late Show, The Today Show, VH1, and on an episode of HBO's Girls, which is one of my favorite shows. She currently hosts the nationally syndicated trivia show Ask Me Another on NPR. Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of Ophira Eisenberg. When I moved to Brooklyn, my family's in Canada, and my sister goes, uh, I know Canadians. It's good. It's good. You're all here. Very excited. I say our, our greeting, sorry, that is like shalom in Canadian. <laughs> but she goes, you're moving to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is very dangerous. <laughs> she goes, are there crackheads in your neighborhood? There are no crackheads in my, if anyone's doing crack in my neighborhood, they're doing like organic free range crack. <laughs> you know, like low carb omega three crack. That they buy at the Whole Crack. It's a beautiful store. Whole Crack. Oh, my God. Goes well with a Malbec. Beautiful. Very nice. Seasonally. And joining us all the way from Brooklyn, please give a warm-ass welcome to Ophira Eisenberg. Hello. Hello, hello. Oh, there's hello. the studio audience. Oh, nice. Thank you. They were, they were so shocked okay. to hear you that they froze momentarily. <laughs> Okay, that, I do that to a lot of people. I, the, uh, uh, when they first hear my voice, they're like, "Is it possible?" What, such a what is voice. that noise? I'm such an angel. No, you have a lovely voice, <laughs> Ophira. It's lovely to hey, talk to you. It's lovely to talk to you too. Can I just say that um, I get really excited from a, just based on your last conversation? I was I get really excited from a like cultural point of view, world culture point of view to anticipate RuPaul's Drag Race International. Like, there are so many socially good things about that. I agree. Yeah. Empowering people. Are you a fan of the show? uh, So I watch it intermittently because, honestly, I don't watch a lot of television because I don't have a lot of time because I have a small child. And at the end of the night when I am done, I um, flake out. I just flake out. Yeah. I hear you. It's so a I commitment. I dip in and out. I dip in and out. I dip in and out, to be honest with you, which is a weird way to watch anything, but I've done it for years. The only episode I ever saw of Breaking Bad was the season finale of, I think it was season three. And when I say that, fans are so mad at me. <laughs> you know, Breaking Bad, like I enjoyed Breaking Bad, but it, it, it is, it's kind of a lot of work to get through. And I don't think it's as good as like, say, The Sopranos or some other classic series but in any case Ophir you've done material over the years about your name yes and I don't think I've ever asked you how did your parents come up with Ophira and have you ever met another Ophira okay so uh, Ophira although Hebrew is super Israeli and so uh, and all of my brothers and sisters have very Hebrew Israeli names so there's six of us, and the names are Eli, Elon, Orna, Abigail, Amir, and Ophira. Mazel so tov. it's not, you know, <laughs> I know, right? Sometimes when I get booked for comedy with a name like Ophira, they expect, like, the queen of the Israeli Jews. Like, they really think with that name, they're going to get something authentic. Right. And it's me. Uh, but so it's a very Israeli name, and uh, there was a, there's a, an actual place called Ophira that was uh, part of Israel, but now it's part of Syria. So around when I was born, it was still part of Israel, and it was this lovely place. And it was named after King Solomon's 
first gold mine oh. was named Ophir or Ofer. That's a lot of pressure to put on a child. We're going to name you Gold Mine. <laughs> you better pay out, bitch. Well, as it turns out, you know, I uh, I had the uh, you know somewhat unfortunate circumstance of having to go through my, the house that I grew up in. And I was a kind of gold mine for year one because my birthday is on January 2nd. And in Calgary, Alberta, in the relatively, I guess at the time, small Jewish community, the first Jewish baby of the year was going to get stuff. And I was it. So the first year of my life, they got free gas for their car. They got free diapers. They got all these free groceries. That's so creepy. I found I found these newspaper clippings. And I was like, hey. I said to my brothers and sisters, I'd never heard about this. Did this happen? And they all rolled their eyes. They're like, yes, everyone was so excited. That's so funny because my sister, uh, her birthday is January 1st. But we oh. we grew up oh. in a town where there was no Jewish community. So nobody gave a shit. Uh, were your parents, <laughs> are your parents Israeli? My father. My father grew up in Spot. Um, which, you know, is now kind of an artist community. When he grew up there, it was, yeah, just a place, and uh, he grew up in a bakery. And then emigrated yeah. immigrated to Canada? Eventually. So this is, my parents both passed, but they are, um, I was, you know, six, and they had me late, and they had their first one early. So he, during war, the end of World War II, he went to Holland as part of the liberation movement mm-hmm. as a soldier and met my mom in Holland, and then brought her back to Israel, and they hung out there for about uh, 10 years. And then there were more wars, you know, within within uh, the Middle East, I guess you could say. A lot of wars in the Middle yeah. East. Kind of con- she used to describe it as constant wars. So, yes, then they, they were like, where should we go? And my mother had her heart set on Canada. So I got on a boat. So what was it like growing up with parents who had kind of, you know, been through all of that trauma? Yeah, I'm still unpacking that. Really? I believe. Uh, yeah, definitely. But you know, I didn't. I felt. I felt very different from my friends' um, childhoods. My mother and I, and my father. Although my father was a, a hardcore authority figure, you know, it was basically you. The house was run by his rules, uh, and. Although, you know, I will just say no one, there was no hitting or even spanking or anything like that in my house because the force of someone's anger just emanating from them was enough. Yeah. So it was like that kind of rule and very strict. Um, I, you know, my father passed when I was a teenager, so I didn't have the full feeling of what it was like when I was in a rebellious phase, but watching my brothers and sisters want to stay out past 10, all of that kind of stuff was. It was just, um, it was very intense, and there was a lot of fighting. And, of course, as you know, the more you restrict a child, especially when they become a teenager, the more they push against it. Yeah. So where did the, where did so the humor come from? Were they funny people, or was that something that was unique to you? I, no, very funny, and I think that was the relief. Mm. I think, you know, kind of like a, a double boiler or even a kettle, you could say that that was the... You know, I think, I don't know, what do you think, I, Adam? I think anger and, um, like, joke-telling, there's, like, a lot of Venn diagram has a lot of uh, commonality yes. between those two things. It's so right? funny because right before we went on the air today, Ryan and I were talking about our, our families, and I was saying how most Jewish families, 
are super lovey-dovey and effusive about their feelings and they can't tell each other they love each other enough. And that that was not my family. My family My family's great, but the only two things that we were really allowed to express growing up were anger and laughter. Yes, I totally And I never that. thought about them as two sides of the same coin, but they really are. It's all about a release of all of these pent-up feelings that you're not really allowed to talk about. Yeah, and then the, when you make someone laugh, I mean, then this probably explains exactly, Adam, why you and I are where we are. Yes. When you make someone laugh, it feels like love. Yes, very much so. Yes, in my family, yeah. it was how we, you know, we could win our parents over or get our parents to forgive us if they were mad at us or, you know, it was, yeah. it was definitely – and it's still the way that we bond. When we all come together, we all make each other laugh. And I love that about them. But it, the problem is when, when, you, when you really just need to cry, you kind of go find a friend for that because that's – my parents aren't, aren't into that. That's oh, like yeah. not and- their wheelhouse. You know, and I think my family and I still struggle with pulling out, like, warmth for each other. Like, this idea of just, you know it's there, but sometimes you're like, wow, how do I get to that warmth? Right. You know, it's it's much more about these, like, far the further ends of the spectrum. So, so I, yeah. So, so, so are, your, are your siblings really fun. funny, too? My brother is, yeah, they are very funny. They're all funny in different ways. My my brother is definitely used to rule the roost uh, with, with you know, jokes. We, there was a lot of telling of just joke, like joke jokes in my family. Mm-hmm. Joke joke. Uh, a lot of Jewish jokes, the kind of stuff that when you hear now, you're like, is that anti-Semitic? Huh. Um, and you're like, but, yes, you know, and funny. <laughs> yes, it is. That's right. Who can tell these jokes? Oh, I get it. Uh, and so a lo- they're very funny. And then, you know, I think my everybody is very quick and very witty. My mother, though, I feel like really in her, even in her later years, was just, it was, I should have put her on stage. I don't think she would have enjoyed being on stage. But she had that thing where she could walk into a room light it up, and she was known among all of her senior friends as the hilarious, like, always with a funny line, always with a comeback, always with a joke. Yeah. Yeah, my mom's the same. My my mom has a very dry, cutting sense of humor, um, which very much goes against her kind of, like, Martha Stewart personality that she tries to put on. (laughs) (laughs) So she can also be (laughs) hilariously funny. So you you started doing stand-up before you left Canada. I did, yeah. I It was after college or university, as we call it in Canada, but I'd finished that. I really, you know, I, I, I clearly wanted to perform, but I, in some way also, I didn't even know how I wanted to perform, but I didn't know how to get to it. And I was so afraid, and I was also raised in a house where you don't throw your way, your life away. Right, <laughs> on, on, on stand-up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or anything in entertainment. Like, my sister had this beautiful singing voice that I, I remember there was a story that in, you know, I think in grade six or seven, there her teachers came to my parents and said, she has a very good singing voice. You know, you might have some talent here if you want to explore that. And they were like, nope. <laughs> nope, we don't. We discourage any dreams. So how many years How many years did you do it uh, there before you moved here? So I started uh, about six. I started and then I 
kind of didn't follow through with it. It was, I, you know, I, I did a, like one or two shows, amateur night like shows, and I got that. Who knows how they really went looking back, but it, what was important is that it totally ignited something in me and I wanted to do this and I wanted to pursue it. I wanted to figure it out, but I was so scared of it and I was so scared of committing to it that for about a year, I would, I engaged in unbelievable sabotage. Like in can it's so hard to start in New York, but in, um, even in like in Vancouver and Toronto, you you could call you call, which is hilarious. You would call up the club on a specific day, like Wednesday. Call the club on Wednesday. Leave your name on the answering machine, and you know ten of you will get picked for the amateur night the next Tuesday. I would call on Thursday. I would forget, like just ridiculousness, right? Because I was just so afraid. And then, you know, when I was in Toronto, I was finally like, okay, we have to do this and figure it out if this is a thing or if this is not a thing. Right. And so I started taking it seriously. And then, you know, it was great for a while. And then I uh, did terrible for years and years and years. In the beginning, you know, I think you have a lot of, you know, kind of beginner's luck and it's a lot of sparkle. Yeah, your, your, first gig is always, your first gig is always a huge <laughs> success. And you think like, that's it. Yeah. I'm a comedian forever. <laughs> And then yeah, you go up the second time and you're like, oh, no. What? And then you fail a whole bunch and it's hard. And then you do well a bunch and you go home thinking, well, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and everything's going to be different based on that <laughs> spectacular set. And nothing's changed. Right. You know, it's such a slog. Uh, but I saw it. And then I, I gained a little bit of notoriety in Toronto and was doing bigger shows. And I really, my entire life, I wanted to move to New York. I think ultimately it would have been great if I moved to L.A. because I just think from a career point of view, that um, has a lot of options. But I was just so, um, I think because of Sesame Street, honestly, if I were to trace back, I was obsessed with this idea of apartments and streets. Living in a trash can. Basically. What year did you move? Oh, 2001, my friend. So it wasn't that long uh, before I met you, because I met you like in 2004? Yeah. Yep. And when I I met you, you you were... no money, of course. The first time I ever saw you on stage, I was like, this is a pro. Like, I I felt like you'd been doing it forever, and you just, you couldn't, it was impossible for you to have a bad set. Well, you must have caught me on a uh, sparkle night. (laughs) <laughs> because yeah, but that's that's such a great compliment. Thank you. I feel uh, yeah. I thank you. I think what, New York was hard on me. I thought it might. Be, I don't know what I thought. It's the only way you do things is out of you know what I call the brave idiot. You just have to do it and be like, I don't know, it's going to work out, and then you just struggle. I couldn't get set. Nobody cares. <laughs> I felt so. Ugly and square and slow and country bumpkinish next to so many people. Even though I was from a, I was like I, I was in Toronto. I was in no, you right. know, little country town. But man, it was it was harsh. It took me. And then New York is so weird because New York is so much about you just got to hang out and make friends, and people need to be familiar with you. But that is part of the game of being able to and get really, Ophira, that's the same no matter where you move. I mean, I moved to San Diego yeah. in 2008 after having been on Last Comic Standing and was kind of at the height of my like New York City 
notoriety. Like everyone knew who I was here. And I moved to San Diego and went to the amateur night at the comedy store in La Jolla. And they were like, you're number 76. (laughs) No. I had to start from scratch again. And nobody gave a shit about me. And I was like, literally nobody out here has TV credits. And you still don't care? About me? And they're like, we don't care about you. Um, Ophira, we have to do uh, Ask Me No Questions, which is how we always end the show. But <laughs> wait, oh, <laughs> that was a little premature, JB. Thank you. But first, I, I need it. to ask you quickly about your experience being on the show Girls, because it's one yeah. of my favorite shows. And when you suddenly popped up playing yourself as the MC at The Moth, I was like, oh, my God, it's oh Ophira. God. I was so excited. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was excited, too. Yeah, that was very cool. And so, right, they... Uh, they wanted to do a, a scene where, you know, um, Lena Dunn's character Hannah. was going to tell us, Hannah, Hannah Horhoff was going to tell a story at the moth. And because they were fans of the moth. And then they just decided, I don't know, it felt somewhat last minute, but sometimes all of television can be somewhat last minute, uh, that they were going to run it with the people in the venue, you know, Housing Works and Crosby, where I actually hosted the slams for years. And so... They were like, hey, do you want to MC it? And I was thrilled and freaked out. And I want to do the best job ever. And then, you know, you got there and they're like, okay, just do what you do. Right. And in that moment, I was like, what is it that I do? I mean, it was hilarious. I got so nervous that I, I was so nervous by everything that was happening around me. But it was awesomely cool and in a way so laid back. Yes. It took me a while to hook into that. But it was so laid back and kind of like, yeah, we're just a bunch of people making some art in a bookstore right now. Enjoy. This is a show well, we You were girls. very convincing as yourself. <laughs> I totally <laughs> bought it. When they, when they said I could use my own name, I almost was like, are you guys sure? Let's talk this through. Right. Can I play something interesting? <laughs> um, all right. It's time now to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. <laughs> Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. First question, are Canadians naturally funnier than Americans? Yes. Speak why, you ask? That's correct. And why is it? Well, it's because we get to look at, Americans have to look at themselves. Canadians get to look at Americans. It's Uh, just a better perspective for critical uh, thinking. Yes, you can punch up with us. (laughs) That's right. Is it true what people say say about Jewish women in bed? Hmm. I think it's uh no. I'm going to say no. Thank you. You don't just lay there like uh, corned beef. I mean, sometimes you got to get things done for yourself, for everybody. Sure. Rent needs to be paid, you know? But uh, but you consider yourself a good and giving lover. Absolutely. What's the point? I don't I, live in a world. I, come on now. I agree. Congratulations to Jonathan, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Okay, Ophira, you've hosted Ask Me Another on NPR for nine years. So oh my goodness. we've come up with some trivia questions for you, but oh all, all of ours are about LGBTQ topics. <laughs> Perfect. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. All right. It's, we're testing your queer knowledge. In what year did the Stonewall riots happen? Ooh, I should know that. I'm going to say uh, it's going to be 70-something. Uh, I'm sorry, the correct answer was 1969. Oh, I was so close. Sad trombone, Ryan. Yeah, that's okay. 69. 
yeah. who was the first you know, U.S. I should have guessed that perfectly. Of course, because you know we're yeah. going to do some crude sexual pun even when we're rioting. Right, right. Uh, exactly. Who was the first U.S. president to issue a proclamation for Transgender Day of Visibility? Uh, I have to assume that's Obama. Ryan? <laughs> it was actually Joe Biden, and it was just a few days ago. Oh, you know what? I I guess I I made I thought there was like the past, and then an erasure of the past, and then uh, the continuation of the past. President but it turns out it's just the present. President Obama was lovely with regard to, to yeah. queer people, but he did not issue a proclamation for uh, Trans Day of Visibility. Um, okay, next question. In 1973, Billie Jean King competed against which sexist asshole in the nationally televised Battle of the Sexes? Uh, was it John McEnroe? I'm so sorry, Ophira. You do not know your gay and lesbian history. That would have been uh, uh, Bobby Riggs. Oh, I don't even know who that is. So that, yeah, I could have got that wrong quite easily. McEnroe mm-hmm. was like a teenager in 1973. Um, okay. But wh- also, but also, can we say he fit the description? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, Ophira, this one I really do expect you to get. What is felching? Okay. Oh, please. You know, can I just tell you something about this for one <laughs> second? <laughs> please do. Okay, so it's uh, it's basically sucking for uh, semen out of someone's butt. Yes, cool. congratulations, yeah. your first one right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing that I'll always remember about this, I think this was in honestly 2001. I had just moved here. I had left a boyfriend behind in Toronto, and uh, the the internet was the internet but um anyways he came to visit me he had a laptop he had been i guess active on some message boards and we were not getting along and we he went out to i don't know get something a soda or something and i looked at his computer and he had asked on a message board what is felching oh my goodness <laughs> and and <laughs> i'm sure going like what is this about and yeah. so did he ever try it on you uh, no, no, that was the beginning of the end. We tried nothing on each other after that moment, I believe. Well, on that, on that note, Ophira, even though you basically failed our LGBTQ history, the only one you knew was felching, but, but you're still a delight. I thank you for being on the show. We would love to have you back. Um, how can people, thank you. How can people follow you on the interwebs? You can, uh, the most important, you can follow me on Venmo at Ophira, and then I'll give you the rest of the information. She accepts so tips. At, uh, yes, queen. <laughs> I'm at, at Ophira E on Instagram and Twitter and the rest. You guys, she's hilarious. Follow her career. Listen to her on NPR. I really do love you, and thank you for doing the show. I love you, too. Thank you, Adam. Next time, you're going to be in studio, and you're going to bring us potato latkes. Oh, I can't wait. All right. Bye, honey. Ryan and JB, please plug yourselves. Oh, oh. Ryan Frosting on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, you can follow me at StackingAnarchy12 on Instagram. And you can follow me, me, at Adam Sank on Twitter and Instagram. And by the way, please like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Please follow the page. And you can leave reviews on that page, too. 
been a while since we've gotten a Facebook review. Um, tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our special guest, former RuPaul's Drag Race contestant, Yuha Hamasaki. Yeah. We're excited about this one. And Ryan will be conducting the interview. Oh, my goodness. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Download the DNR Studios app. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Um, listen, have a great week, bitches. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.